This is Nightline. Tonight, IVF under threat. The fight riling up the country. Alabama is a pro-family state. This is not a pro-family ruling. I don't need the government now getting involved. Shock and outrage over the future of fertility in Alabama. The impact is so far-reaching. First and foremost, there are fewer babies in Alabama. Rachel Scott chasing down lawmakers for answers. As hopeful parents-to-be have IVF treatments canceled. At one point said it wasn't fair. I just wanted my baby. I was just heartbroken. Could other states follow? Plus, Emily, Emily Blunt. Can you explain quantum mechanics to me? Seems perfect. The Oscar-nominated actress making history with Oppenheimer. It was the most heart-stopping, exhilarating script. Director Christopher Nolan's no-holes-barred instructions on set. I was going to sort of fake hit him, and Chris said, just hit him. So I did. And the Devil Wears Prada reunion. Are you wearing the, sh the Chanel boots? Yeah, I am. 18 years in the making at the SAG Awards. By all means, move at a glacial pace. You know how that thrills me. And sheer baseball. Nike's new Major League uniform is what players say they reveal too much of. Nightline will be right back. Good evening, thank you for joining us. Tonight, it's one of the most personal decisions we ever make, when and how to become parents. And for the thousands of Americans with fertility issues, having a baby is dependent on IVF. Now the state of Alabama has become the center of a firestorm that some fear could have natural implications. Here's ABC's Rachel Scott. Ooh, play Moana. Oh, this is a good one. You wanna look at the picture from when you got to meet Moana? Yeah, so this is our daughter's room that will hopefully be a nursery again one day in the future. We hope to bring another baby home here. There's Moana. 35-year-old Kimberly feels like time is running out, and every day that goes by, her frustration only grows. Do you feel like there is a sense of urgency around this moment? Yeah. You know, I do feel like there's a sense of urgency, not just for me, but for numerous other women. In a perfect world, Kimberly should be just a few hours away from her fourth and final attempt at IVF, her last chance to get pregnant, but she's not. After a number of fertility clinics in Alabama all canceled procedures. Do you feel like you are missing your final opportunity to possibly expand your family? Yeah, I will fight for this embryo. This embryo is, is coming home to us one way or another, whether it's here or it's somewhere else. Um, I will do whatever I have to to get this embryo. She is just one of potentially hundreds, even thousands of Alabama women desperate for answers after the state Supreme Court issued an unprecedented ruling that frozen embryos are considered children. I definitely think that this ruling is a slap in the face. No one knows how to take care of their children better than a mama. Now the growing backlash across the country fears this could go beyond Alabama. This is going to be the playbook. We are so concerned about the spillover into other states and how this particular ruling in Alabama is going to set a precedent. How does someone else get to dictate 
what I say, what I, the, what I want for my family. It's even more, I think, confusing now. You taking this medicine and doing all this work for nothing. Honestly, the impact is so far-reaching. First and foremost, there are fewer babies in Alabama. The pressure for answers and action to get families back on track. We're pumped full of hormones, and so we want to fight this and, and get to be able to have our children. You want to turn it around yeah. like that? You are someone who has struggled with fertility for years. Yeah, I've known since I was 20 years old, infertility was most likely going to be an issue for me. So I cannot wait to meet you, my baby. I love In you. college, Kimberly was diagnosed with stage 4 endometriosis. That meant getting pregnant naturally was virtually impossible. I've always mommy. My doctors and I have been working since 2008 to give my body the best chance at being able to build a family. She and her husband, Brandon, reached out to Alabama Fertility and met Dr. Mamie McLean. IVF is our most successful treatment. Um, it's a treatment that has been around for decades and our field has been able to perfect it. From a medical perspective, what is an embryo? An embryo is a fertilized egg. 238,000 families in the U.S. rely on IVF every year, often freezing multiple embryos to increase their chances of a successful pregnancy. So tell us what you're doing. They had their first child in 2021. Is that your favorite color today? And last year, they decided to try again, but it became a year of heartbreak. Losing a pregnancy for the first time is obviously going to shake you and, and be difficult. When you look up the statistics, the chances of having two miscarriages back-to-back, -back, low statistics. I'll be honest with you, I, I can't really, um, I can't really talk about it. It was hard and it was devastating and the weeks after that, especially the second loss, were extremely hard and devastating. And yet they were determined. One more embryo, one more <laughs> chance. The process is extensive, exhausting, and expensive. It's probably close to about $50,000. If you add up gas money, lost wages, etc., obviously that pushes it. Everything was shaping up for round four. The transfer on track scheduled for Tuesday when the news broke. The unprecedented ruling tonight. More clinics now pausing their IVF services. The decision stemmed from a case where three couples sued a clinic for wrongful death after their embryos were destroyed. The Alabama Supreme Court ruled eight to one. The Chief Justice, in his concurring opinion, cited the Bible, writing, human life cannot be wrongfully destroyed without incurring the wrath of a holy God. Whether we consider these embryos our babies and we feel a sense of responsibility to them. It was a sweeping decision. I, I just don't think the people understood all the consequences of, of what was happening. Within days, the University of Alabama Health System announced it would stop IVF treatments. The next day, Dr. McLean and her partners came to the same heart-wrenching decision. We realized we had no other choice. Uh, my colleagues and I have not slept since this ruling came out. We are being physically affected by this ruling because of the stress and the anguish that, that's put on our patients. Did you think about the impact that was going to have immediately? The very first conversation I had to have was with a longtime patient who has had two miscarriages over the past year. They have one embryo left. And she was prepped and ready. We've been working for three months to get to transfer. Called her to tell her that I had to cancel her transfer. So we've talked to Kimberly. Mm -hmm. We know how desperately mm -hmm. she wants this family. Kimberly in particular um, 
began sobbing um, and said, I just want my baby. I just want my baby. I have the clinic phone number saved on my phone and the phone started ringing and I said Alabama fertility specialists and <clears throat> my heart sank. That's when I was like, oh no. So we pulled over and, you know, went through the whole thing. And she said, your transfer is being canceled. You need to stop <clears throat> all of your medications. And, um, I mean, when she finally said the words is when it hit me and I'm just sobbing in the back of the car. But I was just heartbroken. Canceling the transfer is costly, not just in money, but in time lost. Really the biggest question is, what should I do next? And I don't have an answer for that. So this, this is my medication box. This is Lupron, and this is a daily injection of Lupron. This is my estrogen. And then, as always, in infertility, you have all your supplements. And typically when I share with people what all goes into it, they're just shocked. Almost immediately, the national spotlight turned to Alabama. Embryos, to me, are babies. When you talk about an embryo, you are talking about, to me, um, that's a life. In an interview with NBC, Republican candidate for president Nikki Haley referred to her own fertility journey, at first seeming to agree with the state court decision, but eventually said she supports fertility treatments. On Friday, Donald Trump said he supports IVF and called on Alabama lawmakers to find a way to preserve it. Today, I went looking for Tommy Tuberville, the Republican senator from Alabama. I just came back from Alabama. I talked to one woman. She's on her last embryo transfer. It was scheduled for tomorrow. And now she has to start all over. Is that acceptable yeah. to you? Well, not really. Now, I want everybody, if they want kids, they can't have it. Uh, and that's the only way they can have it. I want to be able to use that. So to be clear, you believe it's the wrong move? Wrong move by the Supreme Court. Yes, yes. yes. you do. Okay. Yeah. Thank you okay. so much for the time, Senator. Thank you. Vice President Kamala Harris put the blame for the Alabama court decision squarely on the overturning of Roe versus Wade. The previous president of the United States was clear in his intention to hand pick three Supreme Court justices who would overturn the protections of Roe v. Wade. And he did it. I don't know if it was the intended consequence of the case, but I do think it was an intended consequence of the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Rebecca Matthews is worried about the fallout from all of this. I do not think embryos are children. I think that embryos are the hope of a life. I think that embryos are the hope that you hold in your heart for your family. But I do not equate our embryo to my two children that I currently have. She also went to Dr. McLean to expand her family. Both her kids are IVF babies. Isn't it ironic that we are in this place where this community of families who want nothing more than to have a baby and to create life are being told that not only can they not create life, they're also being called murderers. The people who want it more than anything in the world and would just do about anything for it are being told no. After spending more than $200,000 in IVF treatments and surrogacy, Rebecca says her family is now complete, but she has one more embryo left in storage. But that's not free either. Either leave them frozen forever or potentially risk criminal charges. Alabama is a pro-family state. This is not a pro-family ruling. Um, it is hard enough to figure out what we're going to do with our embryos when we are done family planning and when we are done having children. 
without adding the government into the situation. The Alabama Attorney General says he will not prosecute IVF families, but that doesn't address the civil side of the law. The governor and state lawmakers are working to come up with a solution, but that could take time, leaving so many families in limbo. My message is that we have to speak up. I never imagined that this would be our reality here, and we're concerned that this will happen in other states, which will threaten my field, as well as future generations of Americans. Later this week, Dr. McLean, Rebecca, and Kimberly will all head to Montgomery to put more pressure on lawmakers at the state capitol to take action. It's going to be hard until Dr. McLean can call me back and say, Kimberly, we're set. We're ready to go. It's, it's going to be tough until then. With all that uncertainty, are you still hopeful? Yeah, absolutely. I think I have to be hopeful. You know, I posted this morning on my social media that I was going on Wednesday to Montgomery, and I've had numerous people contact me, you know, wanting to go with me. We're going to find a solution to this. Our thanks to Rachel. When we return one-on-one -on -one with Emily Blunt, Oscar nominated for the first time for Oppenheimer in revealing how director Christopher Nolan got her to hit star Killian Murphy in the face repeatedly. We've got the exclusive view behind the table. Every day, right after the show, while the topics are still hot, the ladies go deeper into the moments that make the view the view. The View's Behind the Table podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. Final voting for the Academy Awards is underway, and Emily Blunt is very much the mix for her role in Oppenheimer. That movie continuing its award season dominance, taking home a handful of SAG awards, including the top prize, Outstanding Performance by Cast in a Motion Picture. Emily Blunt sat down with ABC's Chris Connolly. On stage at last Saturday's SAG Awards, a Devil Wears Prada reunion. SAG nominee Emily Blunt, alongside Prada alums Meryl Streep and Anne Hathaway, delighting the crowd with classic lines from the 2006 comedy. By all means, move at a glacial pace. You know. you know how that thrills me. Plenty of thrills these days for the British-born audience favorite. Her first Oscar nomination ever comes for her supporting role in Oppenheimer, biopic of the man who built the first atomic bomb. Emily Blunt giving a note-perfect performance as Oppie's brilliant, troubled wife, Kitty, forced to endure the indignities of a mid-century marriage. Blunt coining a memorable phrase to sum up her character's dilemma. Going to waste at the ironing board. What do you kind of mean by that? Well, I just think she was a woman who was meant for vast intellectual pursuits and I think had to contort herself to being a housewife. That brilliant brain went to waste in domesticity and 
she probably simmered away with frustration and the loneliness of Los Alamos. There's no kitchen. You're the first woman to be nominated as an actor in a Christopher Nolan film. Is that true? It all began when writer-director Nolan invited Blunt to his home for a pressure-packed first read of his then-top-secret Oppenheimer script. He's sort of lurking in the next room, and I was like, I'm going to have to put together something very smart to say about this script. <laughs> but it was So he literally racing. hands it to you, He right? hands it to you. I read it in his library. It was the most heart-stopping, exhilarating script. I think Oppenheimer is maybe one of Chris's most emotional movies. You don't get to commit to sin, and then I was all feel sorry for you that it had consequences. And it almost read like a chase thriller, and I knew what was going to happen. But you still are fascinated with how they got there. I'd never read a script like that. Time on the Oppenheimer set with Killian Murphy meant getting used to Christopher Nolan's use of IMAX cameras. Which are loud, They're aren't like they? Chewbacca coming through the room. They're so loud. <laughs> I think when you put the IMAX camera on Killian's face and use his face as a landscape, as you normally would a landscape, you can't rip your eyes away from him because you just see every nuance, every ripple. At Nolan's direction, Blunt's character would cause a few additional ripples in Killian's face. You're under a rock with Killian yeah. in an important scene. and <laughs> In life. And you're fighting. <laughs> and Christopher Nolan gives you a direction. Slap him. Yeah. He'll be fine, he said. And he was fine. But I was going to sort of fake hit him. And Chris said, just hit him. <laughs> so, so I did. How many times? Several. I think I left a mark on him by the end of it. But he was brave. Killian's a tough cookie. Kitty's cookie crumbles more than once in Oppenheimer, beset by alcohol and her husband's remoteness. Yet when he's under siege, she revives on his behalf with all of her brain power engaged. On screen, it's one more vivid example of Emily Blunt's remarkable talent. You sit there, day after day, letting them pick our lives to pieces. She's sort of the most honest person, really, and, and she's right. They kind of were a great team. Our thanks to Chris. When we come back, those new Nike baseball uniforms, what players say they don't cover. The first ever criminal trial of a former president is underway in Manhattan. It's one of potentially four trials facing former President Trump as he makes his third bid for the White House. What do voters think about his culpability, and would a guilty verdict make a difference in the election? I'm Galen Druk, and every Monday and Thursday on the 538 Politics podcast, we break down the latest news from the campaign trail. We sort through the noise and zoom in on what really matters using data and research as we go. That's 538 Politics every Monday and Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. And finally tonight, Major League Baseball flying by the city of its pants with new uniforms. The new pants are 100% see-through. You can see the Nike logo of this guy's like spandex under his pants. Players and fans in an uproar about what they say is too much transparency. Images going viral of players in see-through pants. 
The Nike design uniforms made their debut at last year's All-Star Game. The MLB saying, based on players' requests, adjustments are being made. Nike says the quality and performance of their product is of the utmost importance to them and will work to address the players' uniforms. With 30 days until the first pitch of opening day, we'll see. That's Nightline for this evening. Catch our full episodes on Hulu. We'll see you right back here same time tomorrow. Thanks for the company, America. Good night.